Father, thank you for your grace, your presence, your mercy. Your hand is stretched out to us all the day long. And when we're not pursuing you, you're still pursuing us. Lord, I thank you that we are, you are mindful of us, Father, that the thoughts that you think about us are more than the sand of the sea. We just lift you up and we worship you. We honor you now for your grace, your presence, and your power, and your blood. Lord, I pray for every heart, every ear, they would be open. I pray for my mouth to speak the things of heaven. Lord, I pray for the hearts of people to be wrecked by your power and your love and your mercy and your truth, that lives would be changed, minds would be stirred, strongholds would be broken in Jesus' name this morning in the mind and in the hearts of your people. The anointing would flow, God, through the word, and that what you're doing in worship would begin to usher forth in, through, and uh, around them in, in the total change of the nature of Jesus. We bless you, Abba, and we thank you. We worship you. In your name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Wow, guys, thank you so much. Thank you so much. It was awesome, huh? Thank you, Lord. You know, some people say, well, I don't, I don't like the music. That's okay. It's not about you. When it's time to worship you, I'll make sure I call you and uh, figure out which songs you like, but I wouldn't wait for the call. Some people say, well, what's going on up there? Well, I don't know, but I know this, that when John the Revelator spent 60 years walking with Jesus and saw him in a new element, he fell down at his feet as though he were dead. So if you think there's something wrong with someone falling down, then you haven't got your turn yet. Because when you see him, you will fall down too. There is nothing inside you that's going to be able to stand before the king of glory. Well, I don't believe in it. You will. Eventually. You will. See, it doesn't matter what you believe in. It matters what he believes in. His reality is the reality. Yours will fade. It will pass with your dying body. It will die with your brain and your mind. His reality is the only reality. Men can't stand in his presence. Oh. Hallelujah. Thank you for coming. Bear with me. I'm going to try to unpack some things that are very uh, strategic, but also very connected to the last few messages we've done. Again, if you haven't uh, heard those, you probably need to go back to the website, um, proclaimingjesus.com. You can go into the Sonship tab and listen to the messages. If you haven't heard those, you're going to catch me midstream. Uh, I apologize for that, but do your best. Um, if you have children and you want to uh, send them back, you can. If you want to keep them with you, you, you can certainly do that too. We're, we're not afraid of children in the church. I don't care if they cry or get angry or antsy. It doesn't matter to me. I would much rather have a screaming child than a wailing mother at a funeral. So they're a blessing no matter what, right? I turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and we're going to start verse 16. We've been talking about sonship and what that actually means. If you think that you're a Christian, you're wrong. Uh, the term Christian was given to us by the world, not by God. 
I challenge you to go into your Bible and try to find any time where Jesus or God calls you a Christian. Christian was the overflow of what the society couldn't handle when they viewed the sons of God in full operation. When you have a people filled and clothed with God, the culture around them has no articulation for what they're seeing because it's from another realm. And the only thing they could say was that these people are like the anointed one. And that's as close as they could get to defining the sons of God because the sons of God aren't defined by men. They're defined by their father. So if I tell you that you're not a Christian, don't be offended. Go read your Bible and you'll figure out that you're actually a son. And that includes the feminine. Okay? I'll say that again. You're a son. If women have a hard time with that, then try figuring out how to be a bride of Christ when you're a male. I'm working on it. <clears throat> okay? I'm a bride. You're a son. We can do this. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. I want to talk to you about the mind of Christ in sonship and what that means and how it affects the society around us. So many times we believe that our thought process is our own without realizing that it's directly connected not only to the overflow of your life and the people around you, but it's also directly connected to the powers of darkness that rule over your region, over your home, over your marriage, over your children. You with me? How we think determines what we worship. An unrenewed mind will bring an unrenewed life to the surface. Does this make sense to you? What we give our authority and thought to is the stronghold that we build in our life. People who are bound by lust, it's not a demon's fault. They opened the door, the stronghold got built, the stronghold protects the demon, and then eventually the stronghold keeps them from casting out the demon. You with me? I don't know. I don't know. I can't theologically prove this. I don't think you can do self-deliverance. It's just my opinion. I think it takes the Spirit of the Lord and the timing of God to set you free from the things you've built in your life. Now, you can tear down strongholds one by one, brick by brick, but that deliverance factor has to come by the Holy Spirit. It takes light to drive out darkness. If we were the ones that had the authority to build it, we can tear down the stronghold, but sometimes we need help actually getting out of the thing we built ourselves into. That doesn't mean God can't move on your own. doesn't mean God can't move in your prayer closet. doesn't mean God can't deliver you without someone laying hands on you. What I'm saying is, is that it takes a different kingdom to tear down the one you built. Does it make sense to you? Be careful what you build, Paul says. Be careful what you build on the foundation of Christ in your life. I know a lot of religious people who have a lot of opinions, but their opinions can't seem to change their own marriage, yet they want to spew them all over everybody else. Does this make sense to you? Got really quiet on that one. If your gospel doesn't affect your home, 
then your gospel isn't having its full work in you. I don't care what you think you believe. The demons can articulate theology. But God's not in the manner of articulation, though we do speak. What he is in the manner of is possession and exposure of who he is through us. You with me? Okay. How we think determines the structure around our life. In other words, the church and how she thinks, how she uh, embodies the thought process, determines her impact on the community around her. Every region has a spirit ruling over it. Every region. I don't, I, don't th- I don't care if you don't believe that. I don't have time to go into teaching that. Just go read your Bible, and you will see that every region has, has some sort of stronghold over that area. You can go to different cities, and you'll see it. Some of them are this, some of them are that. You go into places, and you can see it. You feel it. Some of it's murder. Some of it's poverty. Some of it's uh, wealth and, 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 and superiority and arrogance. Every area has a stronghold and those strongholds seek to get into the minds of the people underneath them and this is where they rule from they don't rule from the principalities they rule from the minds of people in other words your mind gives them access to your body your body gives them liberation to bleed out who and what they are in what you do and they create havoc and damage through people You say, I don't know if I believe in that. Well, have you ever had an authority, whether it's a parent or anybody else, speak a a condemning word over you and have it really wreck your heart or your mind? Go back to when you were a child. Why? Because the thought process of another person that was unrenewed began to bleed into you and create a lie over you that you bought. And when you bought that lie, you protected that lie. And the more that lie began to show itself to be circumstantially true, the more you believe the lie, the stronger the stronghold got. And then pretty soon you're underneath its power and you can't get out. This makes sense. If you don't agree with what I'm saying, then you must not agree with the fact that actions come from thoughts. Yes or no? Repetitive thoughts become strongholds. This is why we have to have the mind of Christ. Because the mind of Christ embodies the kingdom of God. The mind of the the Adamic nature embodies the kingdom of the world. One will rule or the other. They cannot inhabit the same space. One is light, one is dark. This is why so many Christians insulate themselves from conviction with their theology instead of the practical overflow of the Holy Spirit released from who they are. I don't care if you can respond X, Y, Z when I ask you questions theologically speaking and you can tell me what I'm supposed to hear because it's the right answer. What Jesus cares about is, is your thought renewed to a point where you are acting, living, and breathing like a son of God to a point where the powers and principalities over your home and over your community are threatened by the way you think? Powers of darkness enter through the minds of people. How many times have you lived Monday through Saturday under a spirit of oppression and then you come to church and not able to access the Lord as easily as you had before? 
Why? Because you gave your authority and your thought process to something that was governing your life at that moment or wishing to govern. And the moment you acquiesce to that thing, it becomes the reality for you because of your authority. Not because of the power of the darkness, but because of the authority God gave you. See, demons have been defeated. The only authority they can play off of is yours. You understand this? So most Christians believe that their thought process is their own. Process is their own, and it doesn't affect anybody else. What you ponder is what you're going to begin to become. The moment you start thinking that, that so-and-so in your life is so far gone and they can't be saved, you begin to buy that lie, and then you quit praying for them. Why? Because you have pondered the impossibility of the person's salvation instead of the, instead of the probability of God's ability and salvation to save them. You have changed your mindset to a point where you believe the lie over a specific situation and then God can't enter that situation because your authority blocks him. And you are allowing something else to enter your reality and it becomes your reality. Does this make sense? You ever have negative thoughts about yourself? Most people have severe negative thoughts about themselves. They think thoughts about themselves that God does not think about them. When you do that, you empower the lie in your life. And then you actually believe that you are the thing that you hear in, the, in your head. And then when you believe that, you surrender to it. When you surrender to it, it has access to your actions and everything else, and it begins to flow out of you, like it or not. You with me? Listen, when the heat is turned up, you can't stop who you really are. When the fight happens, that is the true essence of your character, not your theology. Let somebody smack you in the face, and we'll see if it's organic if you turn your cheek. If you've got to convince yourself to do so, then that's a good place to start. But it's not the intention of God. Jesus didn't have to stop and think after he got punched in the face being blindfolded to turn the other cheek. It was just who he was. Okay. Did you guys make it? Did you get it up there? 1 Corinthians 2. It says, For who has known the mind of the Lord that we might instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. What does it say? You have the mind of Christ, or does it say we? Okay. That word we destroys your little individuality where you think you can believe whatever you want and have full access to everything and, and know all the stuff. No, you, you are only allowed to know the power in which God has get, granted you your individual gift. And you may know that, and you may know it well, but you don't know the power of the gift sitting next to you because you don't own that. Which means when you build a theology based upon your opinion, you can know that fully, but yet it's only one grain on the sand of the sea. Does this make sense? Because you don't have the mind of Christ. I don't have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. The church in full operation under the gifts and callings of God, according to Ephesians, and the preparation of that building the church of Jesus is where the mind of Christ is revealed. When the mind of Christ is revealed in a body, the community around it can't help but to feel the impact. When you get a group of people in repentance thinking like God thinks, 
they begin to act like God acts. And when there's more than one of them, the community around it begins to feel the pressure of that light. Does this make sense to you? They might not even be able to know where it's coming from. But the powers above the city in which you live begin to take note of when people begin to think like the Lord. Because we, as a body, have the mind of Christ. I'm dependent upon your instruction, the things God speaks to you, just as much as you are dependent upon the things he speaks to me. I'm dependent upon your gift of hospitality because I frankly have none. I'm dependent upon the gifts of the body of Christ because without them, I am lacking. When every member, when every joint supplies, we begin to express the image and the thought of God. And when the church thinks like Jesus, she understands the will of Jesus. And then she's able to do the will of Jesus. People understand, all, they don't understand, what's the will of God for my life? The will of God for your life is to have the mind of Christ. When you have the mind of Christ, the will of God will be very clear and evident. When you don't have the mind of Christ, you will be confused as a Christian. <laughs> and your best bets become just coming to church and punching a clock and hoping, God, maybe you feel something. That's not why Jesus died. To make you feel something on Sunday. The fullness of the mind of Christ is expressed in his body. Why did he choose 12 different men that were so opposed to one another? Because within that corporate expression of diversity, there was unity. A capacity for God to show himself in multiple facets. Amen? So, the way you think affects not only you, but it affects the body, which in turn affects the community. If a community isn't changed, it's because the people underneath that city or household or whatever it might be are thinking and coming underneath this idea of, of what the uh, stronghold owns. You understand that? So let me, let me just say it this way. If you live in a city that's bound by poverty and there's not a lot of money, and then all of a sudden you begin to struggle financially, the thought process is going to come that you're never going to get ahead. That you're never going to be blessed. And then if you agree with that thought because of the circumstances in your life and looking at the bank account and the fact that you don't have enough money, you're going to begin to believe that lie, the stronghold over that city, and you're not going to see what God has for you, and you're going to begin to build a stronghold of poverty in your mind. And then whatever you touch after that point isn't going to work, not because you're not blessed, but because you've given your blessing to poverty. Does this make sense? So the people of God are called to change the strongholds of the, of the region. So when we begin to think differently, then all of a sudden what happens is, is we give our authority back to Abba. Abba becomes the father again. We become the children again. And then we're able to release the life we were intended to. Then every circumstance in which each individual member begins to go out into the body of Christ or into this community, they begin to be exactly what God wants them to be in that moment that nobody else can be because they're positioned in that moment. But if, that, if those people are underneath the powers of the air and the thought process of the demonic, then what's going to happen is when they're positioned, they're going to be subjugated instead of ruling. Does this mean our whole goal is to, to create some sort of 
American dream around us. No, our goal is to expand the victory of Christ to where souls are saved to a point where they are discipled and the family of God is expanded, thus bringing about the return of the master. You with me? So the mind of Christ is the authority by which repentance is released. See, a son has to come on the scene to be able to change the thought process. Go to Matthew chapter 4, verse 16. A son has to come on the scene to be able to change the thought process of the region around him. Jesus came and lived among us for 30 years and did not do very much. But the moment that he had the endorsement of heaven and he came out of that, he began to carry something and light came and darkness fleed. See, a son came from another realm into the realm of darkness and the darkness had to flee. A thought process, okay, what is the mind of Christ? It's the word of God. What is the word of God? It's Jesus. Jesus is the mind of Christ. Does this make sense to you? He is the expressed word of the thoughts of Father. He is the expressed uh, word of the thoughts of the kingdom. What he is, is what the kingdom bleeds and breathes. Well, how he thinks is how everybody in the realm of heaven thinks. This is why he said to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth. Not on earth, in earth, because you are earth. In you, as it is in heaven. In you. The thoughts of God in you. Just like they're going on in heaven. The thoughts of God going on just like they're going on in the, in the mind of the angels. No different. Knowing the will of God. Why? Because when that happens, light springs up around you. And people may not even be able to know it. But they, they are around you and something about you threatens what's inside of them and around them. Does this make sense to you? The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And upon those who sat in the region of the shadow of death, light has dawned. Why? Because a sun has shown up. Next verse. It's interesting that this verse with light and darkness comes right before the time when Jesus began to preach saying what? Change how you think. See, people think repentance is coming to the altar and crying over a few sins in their life. Let me tell you something. After 25 years of preaching and seeing, I've watched a ton of people come to altars and belly sob only to walk back out to the same crap that they, that they did before they came in. No change. You know why? Because what happens in the mind is what happens in the life. If we don't, that word repent means to change how you think. If you don't change how you think, then you can't change how you act. If you constantly are thinking about your spouse, she's never going to change. The authority you're releasing in your thought process is bringing about the thing that you actually want to happen, but it's not going to happen. Does that make sense? You want her free, but she can't get free because you've, you've identified and came under the subjugation of a thought process that's a lie. You're telling God, it's, your blood is not powerful enough to save my wife. Her sin trumps your blood. And that makes you a rebel to think that way. That's demonic thinking. To actually believe that somebody is beyond the reach of Christ. You don't know your father as well as you should if that's your thought process. So what's the solution? Change 
how you think. It's interesting. Light and dark came in the context of repentance, and repentance comes in the context of the kingdom. You can't be a kingdom person without repentance. And that kingdom culture right now is like this big, big fad in the church, and people don't even know what it means. This is faddish to use the word kingdom on everything. Just slap the word kingdom on it, and you're going to be, you're going to be in. Do you realize that the kingdom, before the kingdom can be established, there has to be an overthrow of the former one? You can't just keep living the way you're living and then slap kingdom on something and then just praise God, it's, it's all done. How you think determines whether you accept the kingdom. In other words, Jesus was saying, if you don't change how you think about me, about your brother, about life, about your purpose, about everything, then you're not going to be able to accept the kingdom I'm about to preach about. This is why the first message he preaches was about repentance. Why? Because everything after that that you want to study and read makes no sense if there hasn't been a change of mind. You cannot understand the Beatitudes. I don't care if it's the greatest sermon in the world. It will fly right over your head because you haven't changed how you think. What you're doing when you change how you think is that you're coming underneath the kingdom of heaven, the principality of heaven, instead of the principality of religion or poverty or self-hate or arrogance or bitterness or doubt or unbelief or all those things that you consider and ponder every day of your life. Self-control is awesome, but self-control is easy with the mind of Christ. Does this make sense to you? The sons of God bring light to darkness because they are bringing a message that is embodied in how they think. They, when they see sickness, they believe that the kingdom of darkness has to bow to the kingdom of light. They don't understand it. They don't get to control it, but they believe it. Does this make sense to you? See, some of you, some of you have been just trashed by religion. and you, it's, There's going to be a lot of things I say this morning you're not going to agree with, but that's fine. If you can prove me wrong biblically, I'll repent. But I've been doing this a long time. And you're not going to understand. I mean, half the time we, we stay in church for so, I mean, I've lived, I've, I grew up in all different kinds of, denominations and I got just my head messed up because everybody started trying to teach me everything after this verse without teaching me how to change my mind before this right because you start reading from chapter 5 on then what happens is is that if you believe God is not good then everything you read after that point comes through that thought process of him not being good and then when you read the Bible, all you see is a God who's a dictator holding a, a rod over your head. And the moment you screw up, he's going to whack you in the back, of the back of the skull. Why? Because your idea of who God is is off, so therefore your interpretation of his word is going to be off. Does this make sense? Light came, kingdom arrived. When the kingdom arrived, he said, repent. Change how you think. You say, well, I don't see it. I don't see my bank account growing. I don't see that. All that. It does, it's, listen, it's not your responsibility to be the provider. Your resp responsibility is to believe the provider. But I don't see it. Well, that's why it's called faith. And listen, I'm, I, I don't ever preach on finances. Y'all know me. 
If you don't know me, I don't ever preach on finances. I'm just using that as an example because this is what Americans want the most. Talking about anything in the kingdom. Salvation of a loved one. You have to begin to see the potential and the probability of God and understand that you are the release of his authority. And if the devil can get in your head, then he can begin to speak death through you over someone else. Second Corinthians chapter 10, starting in verse 4, it says, our, The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. I mean, I don't know, I don't know why we've reduced Christianity down to a version of, of, of God making all things great for us. I mean, God exists to keep bad things from happening. That's our idea. The Bible says that you're in a war. The Bible says that you're in a war. When you're in a war, things get rough, things get hard, they get messy, they get bloody, they get difficult, they get tiring. Right? And he says, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but what are they? Mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. What does that mean? It means that your ability to fight the enemy has everything to do with your ability to, to counteract the thoughts of the enemy. Not only in yourself, but in someone else. That when you begin to speak life over them, what you're doing is you're pushing forth the kingdom of God and you're forcing them to make a choice between two kingdoms. A choice they didn't have before. A choice they didn't have before. You understand that? When a son of God shows up to darkness, they didn't have a choice to think a different way. But now that you're there, you're clashing against the stronghold that's been built in their life. And now they have a choice because they have to say, wait a minute, I've never thought about this before. Now I have to choose. Do I want to believe what he's saying and what the Bible says, or do I want to believe how I've been living for the last 20 years? See, the sons of God with the mind of Christ bring a choice to the community and to the people around you that now frees them from that, from that uh, stronghold. This makes sense. Why is it imperative for the church to possess the mind of Christ? Because without the mind of Christ, there is no ability to give this heathen world a choice to walk away from. They're trapped in darkness. When you show up, light springs. It says, pulling down strongholds, casting down imaginations. All this has to do, you understand that the warfare he's talking about here has everything to do with thoughts, minds, imaginations, processes of thinking. You know, it's amazing to me these deliverance, uh, demon-focused people want to go out and start binding principalities whenever they let their thoughts run wild in their head. It's like, wait a minute, why don't you start at home and deal with your own head before you start taking on what's taken over a city? Because I'm telling you right now, if that thing owns your mind, it's not going to listen to you when you rebuke it over the nation. Demons know who you're submitted to. They, don't, they, don't, they, they mock your theology. They know who you submit to. If the lie comes to your, to your mind, to your heart, whatever it might be over, that you're fat, that you're ugly, that your husband's this, that your wife's that, your kids are never going to, I'm never going to have enough money, my boss. If you believe those things, you begin to act them, and the demons look at you and go, you're a laughing stock of the image of God because God himself would never come under my subjugation, yet you have, and you don't have the authority right now to rebuke me, and therefore they won't submit because they know you're not walking in the identity of the blood of Christ. When you stand upon what God has said about you and you stand up, those demons are going to look at you. They might challenge you, but if you stand and they knock you down, you stand again. Eventually, they're going to learn that you believe what he said about you. I posted something on Facebook the other day that says, the devil doesn't believe 
that you believe what God says about you. You have to prove to him that you believe it because he doesn't believe you believe it. You with me? Casting down imaginations, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. These thought processes and strongholds exalt themselves against God's knowledge and ability. Do you think God doesn't have the knowledge of how to fix you and your problem? But these thought processes exalt themselves over that to where God almost seems <laughs> unreachable. Do you know how many times I, 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 I talk to people and I'll ask them this question? I mean, do you believe, do you believe God can, can fix this circumstance? In, you know, and they're like, yeah, well, well, do you believe he's going to? They're like, well, I don't know. You know what you're saying? I don't believe he loves me enough to do it. I believe he's powerful enough because that's proper theology. But I don't believe he'll do it for me because that's improper relationship. It's an assault against the knowledge of God because he doesn't care what you think. He cares how you think. He said, repent, change how you think about me. I'm not evil. I'm not a dictator. I'm a father. I've sent my son. I've sent light. Choose light. Choose life. Right? Proverbs 21, verse 22, it says, a wise person, listen to this, a wise person scales the city of the warriors and brings down the strongholds that they trust in. What does that mean? It means somebody who's operating wisdom, which is the mind of God, has the ability to scale the walls of the strongholds that somebody else trusts in. You get that? It means when you don't take care of your head, you don't have the ability to be able to take down the stronghold of somebody else's. But God believes you have the ability to tear down strongholds, not only in your mind, but also in the minds of other people. Those of you who are accepting what I'm saying right now, I'm tearing down strongholds. Those of you who are resisting my message, you're just building yours even higher. The problem I have with those who are building it higher because they disagree with what I'm saying is, is that you're not uncomfortable. most of you are uncomfortable with the life you have right now. And if you had to ask yourself, is everything going exactly the way I want in my marriage, in my work, in my job, in my relationship with Jesus, most of the people would say no. But they're okay to continue exactly what they've been doing for, for however many years they've been doing it just because they disagree. Well, something's got to change in you. You can't keep doing the same thing over and over, right? Expecting different results. A wise person scales the city of the mighty and brings down the strongholds in which they trust. When you trust in something more than what God has said for your life, you're elevating that stronghold over God himself. You, you understand? You know how I mean, people don't know the will of God because they don't have a, 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 a renewed mind? Because they persist in living how they want to live and they want to add God to it when it's convenient and call that Christianity. And then they don't know what the will of God is for their life. 
Or at the very least, they have that nagging thing inside of them that says, you know, I probably should change this in my life. But they just ignore it, thereby building a stronghold. See, what strongholds do is they keep demons safe. That's what they do. So when you think those thought processes and you build those thoughts of self-hate or or judgment or or, or religious natures or arrogance or whatever it might be in your life, all you're doing is building a wall by your own authority to keep the powers of darkness safe. Because they don't want to exit you. They don't want to exit your life. They don't want to exit your mind. In you, they have authority. Outside of you, they don't. Do you know why Jesus let the, 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 the demons come out of the demoniac and go into pigs? Because demons don't have a right to humans. They have a right to pigs. But when you're exercising something in your mind and heart that was meant for pigs in yourself, you're defiling the image of God. Listen, I, I, I apologize, but I believe what I'm preaching. My house is in order. My family's in order. My wife loves me. We don't fight. We don't argue. We have a good marriage. My kids are in order. Everything's in order, guys. Not because of my own right hand, but because I lay on my face every day and say, God, help me be what I need to be. Help me. Help me love. Help me pray. Help me see. I don't sit there and weep over God because my marriage is a wreck. You know what I weep over? I weep over you guys. I weep over the condition of the church. Because, see, Jesus' house is a wreck. His marriage is out of whack because you're the bride. And he wants you to think like him. Why? Because he believes you're one with him. He believes you're one with him. If in the physical realm, a husband and a wife can finish each other's sentences after being together for a long period of time, I think in the spiritual realm, I should be able to finish the sentences of God. Why? Because I believe we have his mind. You know, I had somebody ask me one time, I want you to pray about this. I just looked at him. I said, no, I ain't praying about that at all. I already know the will of God on that, and it's not right. You're not going to do it, and I don't, I don't endorse it. And they looked at me funny like, wait a minute. You didn't even pray about it. I don't have to. Why? Because I have the mind of Christ, and everything you just asked me goes against Scripture. I'm not going to waste my time on that. I will not do it. Amen? Because we have the mind of Christ. We know what the king wants. We don't compromise for people. Listen, I apologize if you're mad at me, but you have a long list to join. I've accrued a lot of people over the last 25 years, and I promise you if you're mad at me this morning you never come back, I love you. I wish you'd come back. I hope you come back. But if you don't, it is not going to change me. It will not, set, it will not alter my course one bit. You say, well, that's arrogant. Is it arrogant to be able to trust in the Lord every day of your life? To have to lean upon him. Is it arrogant for me to stand up here and preach the gospel when I'm not getting paid? See, I I don't get a check, guys. I'm not up here because I'm getting your money. I get no money from this church. Why would I waste my life and, and sit here and argue with you over something when I'm not even getting paid for it? 
I, got, I, could, I could be doing a whole lot of other things on a Sunday. Trust me. But I'm jealous for you because he's jealous for you. I want you to live in the order of the king because he wants you to live that way. Not in the confines of the last 25 years of your life. Not in the things you've read and studied. and All those are good. If those things have made you more like Christ, praise be to God. But if they just filled your head with knowledge and all it makes you do is look down your nose at everybody else and be judgmental and critical, then you didn't learn anything. You with me? A wise man knows how to scale the walls of the mighty and bring down the trust of strongholds. See, the mind of Christ challenges strongholds over a region. When people embody that, they begin to challenge what's over the region. If you have some oppression hanging over your household, your marriage... Try changing how you think and begin to go back to Scripture and begin to confess out of your mouth the reality of God over your marriage, over your children. You say, well, it's not, and two weeks later you come to me, well, it's not working. Listen, you, it took you 20 years to build that wall. The great thing is, guys, is it's easier to tear those things down than it is to build them. You'll have a shorter time frame tearing down those things than you did to build them. You with me? See, the mind of Christ is the power of God speaking from another realm through his sons. Releasing an authority over the people in the area because they're thinking like God. They believe. This is why I don't, I don't, I don't personally believe in church hopping. I, don't, I believe you find place and you plant and you set down roots because that's where the mindset is created. Evangelists, they can go out and come back, but they still have a home body. You've got to plant yourself with people because we have the mind of Christ. Otherwise, you're just walking around in the arrogance of your own opinion. Those of you who don't know me, you don't understand that I don't run this church. I take a lot of major decisions, and I give them to the body, and I have them pray through. I have, there's even something recently that happened, and they, I totally disagreed. I wanted to go a specific way, but I acquiesced. I said, okay, I got three people saying we should do it this way. Let's do it that way. Why? Because I believe in the mind of Christ. You with me? Exercising the mind of Christ is literal defiance to the powers of darkness. The, those things that dominate the air. When you get your head in order, then you're able to have the authority to get theirs in order. Does this make sense to you? It does you no good to go out and do a bunch of prayer walks if, if your mind is not submitted to the word of God. And I don't mean perfect. This is, it's, 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 it's not, the devil's going to hit you with things, but whether you ponder them or not, it's your decision. Right? There's an old African proverb says it's not wrong for a bird to land in your hair, but if, it is wrong for you to let him make a nest there. And that's what most people do. So Genesis chapter 3, you don't have to turn there, but the Bible states that the enemy came, showed the woman the fruit, and it says, when she saw the tree was good. You guys know that I've preached this before, that we don't see with our eyes. We see with our mind. The mind is just, or the eyes are just a lens. So when she saw that the tree was good for food and for fruit, she considered, she pondered something in her head that she was never supposed to consider. The thought process began to happen. When she embraced a thought outside of the will of God, what did that end up doing? 
it screwed you and me over. One person not taking authority over the thought life brought this entire generation of humanity down. One, one consideration in the mind. One thought let loose. Built a stronghold that Jesus had to come and destroy. It's interesting, though, that the first prophecy of the Bible is when Jesus, God, looks at the serpent and says that uh, I will put enmity between your seed and her seed. Crazy stuff there. That word seed means children. So people think, they say, oh, we're all the children of God. That is, that is a lie. That is a lie. Even Jesus says in John, you are of your father the devil. In Genesis 3, it says, your seed, your children. I will put enmity between your children and her children. We're made in the image of God, yes. All of us. But not all of us are sons of God. Does it make sense to you? The first prophecy God says, he says, and you will bruise his heel, and he will bruise your head. What does that mean? It means that the peace of God, the peace of God, which is what the feet represent, the peace of God will crush the mind of darkness. The thought process of the devil will be destroyed. Why? Because this whole thing came in because of a thought process. And the peace and of the kingdom of God is going to crush the thought process of the enemy. Does this make sense to you? That this thought life that Jesus came to destroy, repent for the kingdom of heaven is a hand. This change of thought bruised the head, the mind of darkness, which means the thought life. Going back to 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 12. These things we tear down, these strongholds we tear down, thoughts, imaginations, intentions of the heart. Why? Because we have the authority of another kingdom now. God prophesied, I'm coming for you. I'm going to give you a peace and a new kingdom to tear down these thoughts that got you into the problem in the first place. That's a good point, Chad. Thank you for making that. Helps me out a lot, right? A son of God operates in the mind of God. You know what changing your thought process looks like? When Jesus says, rejoice if you're poor. <laughs> See, the, the, the mind of man says, that's ridiculous. How can I re- be happy when I'm poor? He says, because a son of God understands that poverty leads you to the kingdom. For theirs is the kingdom of God. What? Repentance means you don't see the poverty, you see the kingdom. Rejoice if you mourn. Why? Because sons of God don't see the mourning, they see the comforting. Rejoice if you're persecuted. Why? Because the sons of God don't see the persecution, they see the reward. For great is your reward in heaven. This is the change of the mind. This is why Jesus was able to go to the cross. Why? Because he didn't see the cross. He saw the resurrection. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. The joy wasn't the cross. The joy came after the cross. This is what it means to have the mind of Christ. We don't consider the suffering. We consider the glory. 
How hard is it when it's going on? How essential is it for you to renew your mind? You with me? Uh, as usual, I'm not going to finish. Repentance opens the door for me to think like a king. You with me? Sons are revealed to destroy the works of darkness. Jesus said he was revealed to destroy the works of darkness. What are the works of darkness? They're the thoughts that generate in people's heads. Some of you think things over and over and over so much, and you just roll this negativity around, and it just causes fights and arguments and bitings because you are believing and protecting a lie. Right? These people in this community are waiting on your authority to be revealed and believed. But everything starts at home first. Everything starts at home first. The family element is the element that has the greatest crosshair of hell upon it. Because if you destroy the family element, the societal element falls apart. I have a lot of people that want to save the world, but their families are a wreck. And it's like, you know what? Why don't you take all that energy and you place it into your family first? Because if you get them, then you get everybody they contact as well. This makes sense to you. Do the math. Reinhard Bonnke spent most of his life preaching the gospel, and he only got about 27 million people saved. You think that's a lot? The problem is, is if you, if you do one-on-one -on -one discipleship and change how you think and begin to disciple other people and make your life about others, the multiplication factor of one person taking one person for one year and discipling them and teaching that person to do the same thing and that first person getting another person and the second person getting a person can save the entire world in less than 30-something years. Why? Because we have the mind of Christ. What it took one man his entire life to do and only got 27 million in the same amount of time, the collective body of Christ could save the entire world, six, six billion people in the same time frame. Why? Because God believes you have the authority to affect somebody else's life. But if your whole life is just based upon you, you miss the point. Sons of God have to have the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ means you have to renew your thinking. To renew your thinking, you have to get back to the Word of God, who is the man of God, the Son of God, whose nature you're made in. You want to know who you are? You look like Jesus. That's who God made you to be. So think like the image you were made in. Fight, not with physical things, with your wife and spouse. Your fight is tearing down strongholds in the minds and hearts of people around you. Amen? I pray this blesses you. If you're mad at me, forgive me. It'll go better for you. Okay, whether you think I'm wrong or not, that's beside the point.
I want you to be blessed and I want you to prosper in your heart and your mind. Nobody cares what, what you believe. They care who you are. It's never been the sermons I've preached that have changed people's lives and they come to me and they say, hey, thank you for everything you've done. You know what they're talking about? It's not the sermons. It's the life I live with them. That makes the greatest impact. Stand to your feet, please. So, Father, we just come to you because you are the king. We acknowledge you as such, Lord, and if there was anything that I've said that was of me, I just ask you to wipe it away from the minds of the people. But I ask that your word remains true and strong. Lord, I just pray right now that we would have the authority to be able to tap into what we already possess, which is your mind, because your word says we have the mind of Christ. So, Father, I just ask you to forgive every person in here who's willing for building strongholds of thought against you. And that, Father, right now they take their authority of sonship and they tear down those walls and they expose the lie behind the, the, uh, the, the stronghold. And, they, and that, Father, they would repent and change how they think and let light penetrate that place in their heart for the first time in a long time. That they would begin to believe the authority of the word of God over their life. That they would begin to believe the word spoken over them, that they are prosperous and they are blessed. They are, they are the head and not the tail. They are blessed coming in and blessed going out. That they are made in the, in the image of Jesus Christ. And that, Father, you've redeemed them with the blood of Christ and, and you've uh, showered your mercy and your grace upon them. And that, Father, that you've lifted them up and you've carried them up to this point, Father. And that you would bring them into a, 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 a selflessness of the gospel. That as you renew and redeem them, that they would re, uh, help others be renewed and redeemed. Lord, we bless you. We thank you for this authority that you've given us. We ask, Father, for grace and being able to wrangle in the, the, uh, the, the strongholds we've built and tear them down one day at a time. Bless your people. Give them strength to be able to have courage and, and tear these things apart in their mind. And the Holy Spirit, you'd convict them on the things that they think. And that they realize that their thoughts don't just affect them, but everybody around them. We bless you, Lord. We thank you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.